0: Hello, hello and welcome to another episode of Shedcast, brought to you by Putting It Together and the Sheddenborough Fringe Festival. It's Brian here, I'm back. It's good to be back, I'm happy to be talking to you. I've just watched Joe Thomas, um, and I hope you have too, in trying not to panic. What a great show. Um, it's great, we we talked about it and you'll, you'll hear our conversation, I'm about to bring you a chat that I had with Joe. Um, but yeah, I, my my main feeling was kind of like, I get to see more depth to this th- this person that we think we know because I think what happens is we see someone in a long running TV show that has a great success, um, in this case The Inbetweeners and Fresh Meat as well which I thought was an, an amazing show um, and we wrongly assume that we know the person and as a comic and as a comic actor of course as he talks about he is um, certainly performing a version of himself, bringing a lot of himself to what he's doing in the in the work um, which is you know, perhaps less true of, of if you want to call it straight actors, you know, maybe film actors who are doing serious roles or whatever. I don't know if that's, it depends on the actor, of course. But anyway, because of that, um, I guess Joe presents as being quite similar to those characters and, and you think, okay, so I know this guy. Anyway, as you've just seen, he did the show and, and you learn so much more about him and you, and you just there's plenty of similarities and then underneath we get to mine a little bit and we find out so much more and there's more more depth you know and weight um and complexity which is just, which is just thoroughly enjoyable to to learn about so yes um it was a, a great experience to sit and watch that show and um to be among the first few people to see it um so that's that's pretty exciting and also just to get a chance to chat to someone who's who's at a, a pivotal turning point in his career um to check in with Joe at this point um and get a little sense of what's been and what's coming um and and we're all i suppose we're all at pivotal point right now aren't we because we're post pandemic or i like to think we're post pandemic of course we're not but we're we're coming out of the end we hope so we're all, uh, there's change of foot for many of us and, you know, Joe's no different, but it's a, it's been a long journey of being seen as one thing, one person, and now trying, making that really difficult uh, effort to be seen as more. Um, and we don't hear much about that stuff because what we do is we see the public front of it. Is that what you call it? public public face of it so we see the person being the person that we think we know they are in the show that they've been in forever and then we either they disappear and from our minds that that means that they are gone of course they're not gone that we just can't see them Um, or they reappear and they do something else and we either like it or we don't it's kind of the most basic version of that journey and we've seen it many times so it's really nice to get an insight into what Joe thinks and feels during this time, um, so that he's not invisible, you know, Um, he's made himself visible to us and talked openly about the journey that he's on and the struggles that are involved in that, and really funny as well, I mean really funny, it goes without saying, it's a really funny show, but it has a lot of depth to it, Um, and yeah, I just, I'm, I'm a big fan, I really thought it was great and I'm so glad to have the opportunity to, to also chat to him and just mind some of that a little bit. So that's what we're going to do. Before that, I'll just let you know that tomorrow night we have Molly Taylor's show, Love Letters to the Public Transport System, which has had great success over a number of years, um, and it's an opportunity to see it in this unique context, and Elaine is going to be chatting to her tomorrow after the show as well. So look forward to that. Catch the show. You can still get tickets at sheddingborough.com. It'll only happen once, there's only one chance to see it, and on the next morning, you'll be able to hear our podcast, where Elaine will be talking to Molly. So um, lots to be excited about, and coming up after that, there's still plenty more. Um, we've got Essex Girl, Ross and Rachel, and uh, towards the end of the run, The Pun Loving Criminals, pun for the road, the greatest hits of The Pun Loving Criminals, and we finish In True Style with uh, Simon Callow. ...followed by Robert Softly Gale... Um, ...although he's listed here as Robert Softly... ...I know him as Robert Softly Gale... ...I'm not really sure which... ...but anyway, you know who I'm talking about, I'm sure... ...there's some great stuff still to come... ...it's not over yet by any means... ...so... ...go to Shaddenberry.com... ...get your tickets involved and check out the previous podcast because we've been doing podcasts for almost every show uh this season and plenty more before that as well we're way over the 200 mark now and it's all free and it's all available to you whenever you would like so now it's time for my guest of the day it's joe thomas and he's with me and we are putting it together I I never like to be too, too to diagnose people, right?
1: Yeah. However, yeah, <laughs>
0: you talk a lot about. I do, yeah, being kind of awkward, being anxious.
1: Yeah, I do. I talk about that, and I mean, and I, and I talk about actually, like whether or not, like, because people are now more open about whether they think they're sort of neurodiverse in some way, and I do sometimes think, well, you know, maybe I am. It's never seemed that important to me, really. Um, whether you are or you aren't. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I've always just kind of thought I'll just carry on, and like you know, I'm still me, and you know, I'm 37, sure. and you know, this it's. it's uh, That Uh, disgusting age. Yeah, I know. Well yeah, there's a lot in my shows about how I hate my age and how I find it. Um I think it's the um it's really the end of the end of I mean I saw isn't there a study recently where isn't thirty eight meant to be the age at which people are most miserable or something? I think there's something about like your Oh shit. I think the how old are you? Thirty six. Uh, Do you mean there's more? Well, no, I think you've got two more. Ride out the next two and then things will look, look up. Okay. <laughs> Basically.
0: I don't feel like I really want to take massive advice from you about no, this. Don't, but. No, don't
1: take my advice. No, I mean no, I'm a terrible person to take advice from. <laughs> no, I think I'm I definitely need to be more uh, kind to myself. I mean, I think a lot of the show is about how I have uh things that I'm sort of facing in my life and in my career that like if I had if I saw another person who's facing them, I'm not particularly Kind to them. Like, I, I the show is about me trying to do something else after being in the in betweeners. And, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I speak about how I find it just genuinely really irritating when other people try and have a second act to their career. And I, and I am, um, I suppose I actually need to be, it is fun. It is writing this show really has driven home to me that actually when when people are angry at you, there's something in themselves that they're angry at. I know that's a terrible sort of therapeutic cliche,
0: but you demonstrate it perfectly because you say, yeah. "I really want to have the second act." Obviously, yeah. I want to keep working. Yeah, yeah. But I hate when people do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No,
1: I, I am, um, I, uh, it's, and that's the dilemma I face. I think is that I, I sort of I think of myself as, I also think of myself as young. You know, I and and actually. Thirty-seven is an age of I think a lot of kind of there's a lot of falling away of bullshit when you're thirty-seven. You know, there's there's lots of things that there's lots of lies that have just stretched a breaking point that you've told yourself. You can't I mean, keep them going anywhere. Yeah, more. there's this yeah. sort of facing the music type of type sure. of age, I think. And um I guess that in a way, you know, it's almost like a sort of second being young again, almost, I think, because you're trying I think a lot of stuff is I get the feeling a lot of stuff is being kind of binned around this age like stuff it's the it's the end of the bit where you were running around and being young and being you know and you know I think you know let's be honest I think youth now people have quite a long youth now they have university and they have their 20s where they're still kind of young there's lots of people who um, and i think i certainly felt i had a super extended youth because i did i went to school then i went to university then i played somebody who was in school then i played somebody who was in university <laughs>
0: you sort of doubled all i of doubled it. all of it yeah. so,
1: so that, and that carried me into my 30s where i was um so i think i've had this particularly kind of uh hard reckoning where i've thought oh fuck i'm 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 going to be 40 in 3 years and um uh, i haven't really laid any kind of track for like what i'm going to what how what I'm going to sort of do uh, with you know with with life as a kind of you know that age uh, life as as a bloke of that age but um the show is um the show's really for me been so uh, I think there's this old cliche they say about sport sport doesn't build character it reveals it and I think the same is true about if you ever try and write a stand up set like you'll you'll you find out what what you are um mm. and um i uh i think that a lot of those um you know a lot of, i I've, i feel like i've only just hopefully started on, on the road of doing this and i want to carry on and and i hope it will be a, a sort of a companion to me as i become you know uh, older and uh you know uh hopefully a. uh a decent sort of roughly 40 year old man who's, <laughs> who's doing a good job of it
0: but what comes first is it is it the the need to explore these ideas or is it oh i I need to forge a new path do you know what i mean um, because this show is kind yeah. of like you examining the ideas but also you begin in the process of, of starting the second yeah chapter isn't it
1: i think yeah i think it's kind of both i i, I think when i look at With my career, I suppose comedy is unusual anyway, uh, because you tend to get people who aren't quite actors and aren't quite writers. They're kind of in the middle. Mm. And um, I didn't set out to be an actor. I wanted to be a a writer of comedy and maybe a performer. My big hero when I was growing up was Ricky Gervais. I wanted to do something like that. And then after university, I got cast in the Inbetweeners, which then obviously did did very, very well and was was an incredible stroke of luck for all of us and was just this wonderful gift that, that we all got given. Um, and um, obviously I wouldn't change any of that for the world. Um, what it does do is that it, it slightly warps the sense of what other people... Well, after that, basically, as far as anyone in the outside world knew, I'd only ever wanted to be an actor. Now I was an actor in this show and presumably I'd, want, I'd like to do some more acting. Mm. Whereas I suppose in my mind, I'd kind of thought, well, i'll probably go back to what i was doing before i did the in which was like i was sort of a i was going to be a student uh writer and then maybe try and get a job you know writing something on the radio and then try and get into that sort of thing uh and maybe try okay. and maybe try and pitch a sitcom or, or do something like that and and um i am um, uh i think that it's it, so to some extent i suppose it's an attempt to try and Doing stand up is an attempt to try and vaguely because you can also I think the other thing is the another incredible sort of gift from the in us was that because it makes us all quite high high profile you will get auditions and you will get and you and you know you'll get opportunities to carry on being an actor and I think I had a I think I probably had an opportunity to kind of maybe just sort of slightly lazily let myself drift into being an actor which isn't quite what i wanted to be to begin uh, with okay. but um so this is an attempt to try and go back to basics i suppose and try and force myself to think and be a bit more like a student again kind of throw myself into the fire a bit and uh, mm. try and um try and reconnect with what i th- what i thought it was that and what i actually do still think it is that i want to do with my career which is which is be within comedy and 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 that doesn't mean you're not acting because of course you're not you're not not performing mm, um mm-hmm. but um i always think that stand-ups just a really interesting medium because you you couldn't really say whether it is primarily writing or performing like you know more than you could say if somebody's having a conversation are they primarily writing or are they primarily performing Like they're well, clearly they're doing both as there's, there's mm. at those that simultaneous Coming up with something, and and and, and, every, and obviously every every stand up knows that you have you know you have your material, and then you have your delivery, and these so you have your writing, and you have your performance, and and both those things are are crucial, and both those things are what happen when people communicate with each other. They use like they they choose the words, and they and they affect the manner of of their delivery. So, and and that's what I that's what I find most interesting about comedy is that it's both those things at once, and. Um, I so I suppose, yeah, it's an it's, it's an attempt to kind of um go back to basics with my career, I suppose. But also, I think it really is an attempt at the same time to, um, and this is really just because I genuinely do. I mean, look, who knows whether I'm going to be able to do this successfully? I, I I still actually have no idea. Um, but um, I when I watch really really good stand up, I do think there's something therapeutic going on here for the performer and for the audience and mm. it is a medium where you can i mean of course all ev- everybody who works in the arts would say that their medium does this thing that i'm about to describe but it, it but it but it is a medium that can take things that are sad or uh frustrating or failed or uh um lonely and 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 through the expression of them uh turn them into something that is joyful and funny and mm. involves making a connection and uh i think that i've always hugely admired stand up when it's done well because i think it is i think it is fairly unique um the the amount of the amount of transgressive sort of profanity and uh kind of danger that you can have in a stand-up set that's simultaneously happening with a sense that the people in the room are actually connected and something genuinely genuinely good is happening. Um I think that is something that makes stand up quite quite unique. I think. I think it can I think it can I think it can say profane and transgressive things, uh, but in a way that feels actually almost quite traditional almost feels like a kind of um almost like a kind of uh, a moment of like people people communing and and people coming together in a way that feels quite uh yeah feel, a- a- actually feels quite nutritious and quite good uh and um that's what i that's what i like about the medium so i mean i i want to i i, I want to give it a go because i've i've always wanted to and because i like it when it's done really well and Mm -hmm. I suppose you know you all you can really say if you're going to attempt to do something you know in in the arts is that you you like seeing it when it's done well I mean when when I wanted to write comedy when I was younger it was because I'd seen The Office and I thought well that's just and I used to watch I used to watch The Office every day when i got up so uh, I. And, yeah and and it would be it, it was this, but no but it was one and also it, it really was it was like it was like an album that you listen to over, over and over again but mm. i really was thinking well you know uh, at least there's this in the world at least there's this there's a lot of the world that upsets me and that i don't understand that i'm frightened of but there's this mm. the same as if you had an album that you played on repeat and th- and then if you had that album you might want to be in a band and if you yeah you know yeah. saw saw that program then you'd want to you'd want to write it um or write something like it and um and I suppose with I think stand up has a has a role to play. And I think particularly, you know, the way the world is 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 more and more I mean what strikes me about doing gigs in London is actually how how private they are really. I mean, you know, when, when I do um and in Edinburgh as well, to be fair, but I think I'm uh uh I think um but doing the previews doing the previews for the show, like sometimes you were just doing it in a you're doing it in like a you know, a little pub or something and actually, although you're kind of speaking in public, you know, we spend so much time we spend so much of our lives online now. Most people are now normally putting stuff onto a social network that has far more people on it than there are in like one of my gigs. So actually yes, I, feel like, I, I feel like I feel like in a space is yeah. more intimate than than yeah, actually. Yeah. Um and those those kind of spaces are they are shrinking. And also I think that the the setup of a stand up gig is is a fairly old fashioned setup it, and and i think it i think that people are seeking like look at the reactions when people felt that they thought that kind of their their football club and like the you know there's been a lot of stuff this year with um sort of fans mm-hmm. um being incredibly impassioned about their you know about the the club that they support and I think I think that I would suggest that probably there's something there's a quality that those kind of communal experiences have that's to do with the fact that certain things are applying inside those like in in a football stadium presumably people are together in a large group all experiencing the same thing at the same time—that's actually quite rare. I think. I think those are the spaces that are kind of, kind of going out of our lives. Basically, we we increasingly are. Well, we're sort of, we're sort of, we've kind of the worst of both worlds. We're kind of alone, but also with everyone, but mm. not with everyone in, in a particularly nice way. Sometimes I think we're. In it doesn't a, really work. it Doesn't work. I don't. I think. I think yeah. the idea that I think the kind of digital. I think social media networks are held up as a kind of natural successor to real world environments. And I don't mm. think they are a natural successor at all. I think that because we have this idea of like things moving from analog to digital, we're like, well, we used to have this and now we have this. But I just think that they're what they're what technology companies happened to be able to offer, to pe- offer people mm. at a certain point in time. That's mm. all they are. Saying that they're the equivalent of, of a real-world environment is just a piece of branding. Like the the technology company is like, well, we can do this, we can do this. They know it's not like a real-life environment. <laughs> I mean, how many of these people do you hear about who run social networks who's like their children aren't allowed to have a phone or an iPad? Like, yeah, that's like, very okay, conspicuous, so isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so it's it's uh, it's uh, not <laughs> it's, that good, it's notable. Isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. it's uh, um so um I I still think that there is. I mean I'm not on I'm not on social media and 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 I was briefly on both Facebook and Twitter and basically I found them both completely impossible I I am um, I they seemed to they seem to me to strip away any possibility of saying the sorts of things that you actually need to say to another human being and mm-hmm. they allow only the possibility of saying something anodyne and falsely positive and neurotic and bland and washed out it becomes just like another. It becomes just like another way you're getting further away from actually making a connection with people. I'm sure I'm being completely. The thing, to be honest, I, I basically think that there's a generation that's younger than me who have who have made social media work, and I just couldn't. I just couldn't do it. I just. It, to me, it just felt like um, everything that's good about communication isn't there. Mm-hmm. and everything that's bad about it is there and and um i yeah i couldn't couldn't do it how much
0: did the in betweeners time um ha- ask you to kind of put this part of your personality personality to one side because it's a, it yeah. was a very it's a very jovial quite light-hearted yeah thing yeah. isn't it and yeah. it seems like y- you like right now you're operating on a completely different level to that which we've seen you, yeah. you know, on tv and stuff
1: well i think that Well, first of all, I was playing a character who was, you know, who's young and, you know, it's about youth and kind of innocence and exuberance and, um, obviously, you know, our job as, I mean, we were all older than those characters. We weren't that much older when we started. I mean, so I'd been to university and, and then I was playing, uh, somebody who was back in sixth form again. So I, um, yeah, I think that there is a, yeah, I, I think that there, there is a sense of, um, some of the stuff that some of the experiences you've had uh, are just not relevant to the job you're supposed to be doing if you're playing a teenager like if you've you just have to yeah yeah you, you so i think that yeah probably i mean the thing is i i'm very i'm very very conscious that i was just enormously like I could, I basically, I could not. Anything I say about oh, it being difficult to separate myself from the character has to be taken alongside the fact that it was the perfect show to get after university. I mean, the the, the two the two writers were incredibly, I mean, genuinely sort of caring and and mentoring and and mm. and, and 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 kind and uh, and I mean, it was. You know you we, we could not have asked for a, a a better uh environment or for a better show that basically allowed us to to kind of muck around and yeah. and and that would and, that
0: would be pro like that yeah, would be a pro yeah. or a plus a, a, absolutely definitely would yeah but i suppose show. it
1: is yeah I, I guess in the long run you kind of you want to i'm aware that people have a huge amount of affection for that character um but at the same time obviously i can't make the rest of my life just a sort of tribute act to that to that character people have yeah and you don't have to yeah and yeah i think and i think that would be an unhealthy thing for everyone and i mean and (laughs) and uh i i so i i I, but i'm i'm very conscious that i'm not i'm not i i i could not have asked for a a nicer show to be in or uh for a show that i'm more that i'm more proud of basically just i have I am just going to. Be, I am older, and I'm going to be older. That's <laughs> like, going you know, to keep happening. Yeah, yeah. I've and heard like, that anyway. Yeah, so like when I'm 50, I do need to be doing something else, and and yeah. probably the foundations for that do have to be like what I'm actually like as Joe. Um, they yeah. probably. I'm trying to kind of, I'm trying to kind of carry the Simon from In Between Us thing with me, but then hopefully use that as a starting point from which people can be like oh so that is part of joe's character but then there are these other corners to it as well and hopefully my character yeah. is a, you know is a slightly bigger area than that that's covered by i by, think by we Simon. recognize
0: a lot of it you know mm. in the show for me i recognize the bits of simon's neurosis yeah, yeah. no for and, sure. but it's it's more complex and deeper and of course mm. older
1: yeah older yeah well, absolutely. You know? absolutely yeah i mean it's um you know it's only it's only ever gonna get more complex and and and, you know you you know what you know what is age but a sort of an increasing collection of things that you're worried about i mean i think it's not great news no 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 i mean maybe not i mean i don't know maybe you know with the right uh surgery or you know therapy at least with the right cult (laughs) you can can probably you can probably undo it but um but yeah yeah but um it's uh but yeah i know i think it's um there is a lot of me in that character and again with comedy i think there is a difference between comedy acting and like sort of normal acting um where i mean my my friend um always says i think when people are funny that they're funny in one way you know like you know Will Ferrell's funny in one way Hugh Grant's basically funny in one way Mm -hmm. and if you had a friend who was really funny and they uh, kind of came into the pub one day they were still trying to be funny but they were trying to be funny in a completely different way from the way that you knew them as being funny you'd be like dude what the hell are you doing what you do that's not funny like it may be that it's not that they're not funny but that we don't as an audience yeah accept yeah yeah no no this is how we know you yeah well no of course exactly But, but 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 i think that it's i think that what tends to happen when you I, I suppose what I'm driving towards is the reason that if you've been in a comedy, you're associated with your character is that you probably did throw everything you had at that character. Like if you were like, because yeah. what well, you're trying to be funny. Like the the I think in a comedy show, basically everything is forgiven if the show's funny, and if the show's not funny, then there's almost nothing you can do to to kind of claw back people's um, interest in the show. And yeah, of course. So yeah. what you're trying to do is be funny. So if you think, well, the thing I do as Joe that's funny. Sure, throw it in. Of course, throw it in because you you're trying to be funny. While, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. you're funny when you do this stroppy walk. Throw it in. Give it to Simon. You know your <laughs> yeah, yeah. this facial expression is funny. Throw it in. Yeah, everything, yeah. Wh- whatever you've got. I mean, because the, the 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 only show in town is you're trying to be funny. That's it. That, that's the only, that's the number one thing. And um, so of course you do end up with this vessel that you've put all these traits that are your own into. You've you've thrown everything that you've got at it. And um, of course I've done that. And you know facial expressions and mannerisms and. <laughs> And whatever I had, you know, which you still got, which I still got, yeah, yeah. 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 The, the, obviously, the the the, <laughs> the producers would have been like, well, he can do this thing that's funny, put that in. He can do that, put that in. And um, mm. so yeah, comedy is going to kind of it'll it'll draw out of you whatever it is you've and you know you can see it when stand-ups as well that that if there's if there's something. Uh, uh, that that they know works. That's the thing that you're going to see in every set that they do. You know, you see stand ups. You know, you be, gradually become aware. Well, oh, they've got this. They've got this routine that they know is absolutely well. Ricky solid Gervais. And, how, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Awkward. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. 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 Abso- he did yeah. as
0: Brent, and then when yeah. he does stand up, he still uses it because Ab- it works. Yes.
1: Exactly. Exactly. The same. That that intonation is. I yeah. mean it's very funny watching Gervais because it's like it's a kind of Brentian. Intonation, yeah, uh, because
0: he shares a voice and a face and a yeah, body exactly. with Brent, as he said, you know.
1: Um, but obviously, Brent was a character that he was basically being. It's confusing watching Richard voice because Brent is a character that he's obviously critical of and is saying, you know, he's not a, is a bit of a, he is a nightmare boss. But then he's also using some of that same kind of musicality of of mm. of the the kind of Brent intonations as ricky gervais <laughs> so it's kind of weird is this in his stand-up i think this, he paints yeah.
0: himself as this yeah, yeah kind of yeah. hateful not hateful, yeah. but you know like this well, no, I suppose, I, I, celebrity guy he's got too much
1: money <laughs> i think he i think i think what he does is he he says the profane thing he says the you know um uh and i think that that i think that is the job of comedy actually i mean i think comedy the the, the point of comedy is to uh, this, Gervais has an anecdote about when he was at university, he had a sweatshirt that had the word bullshit on it, and I always felt that was what he's like—the guy who calls bullshit. He's like the guy who says mm-hmm. this is bollocks. Like the, the comedy should be the person who says this is the emperor's new clothes. Basically, that's yeah, what that's, that, out, yeah. you know. That's what that's what it should be. And um, to me, com- to me, the comedian should be the person who says the 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 profane the profane thing. Basically, I think that's, and I do think that, yeah, that's that is a really good that is a role you need within society um so that's going to be you well yeah i mean go uh, <laughs> forth <it> and say <laughs> profane things yeah yeah i mean i actually i do want to i actually i think Gerv- i genuinely think G- gervais is best the thing i like most is his speeches at the um is it the oscars or the golden gloves yeah because yeah, that is yeah. you know it's um yeah you know, my yeah there's another friend of mine said like that if there's ever a world that needs if there's ever a a a, a balloon that needs pricking it's mm. that this yeah, inflated yeah. sort of engorged world that that's um uh separated from reality and just immensely wealthy like if if ever if ever there's one environment who really where that kind of where that kind of profanity is called for it is that and actually i think i i almost think that's where he's best suited because fine like once again once again he i think he's best when he's the chippy outsider he's best when he's yeah or the court best, jester of the that court jester. Court. yeah yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, exactly i mean i was thinking actually court jester like it's a really i think court jester is a really interesting kind of trope that you that you get within. Mm. i mean uh obviously there's no such job anymore really although i suppose there is sort of i mean is, yeah. but I'm, I'm sure the court jester was somebody who sort of took the piss out of the king and then eventually overstepped the mark and got executed but i mean but i think that probably but it's amazing that that was a job you know that that's something that you um that within these you know cutthroat absolute monarchies you would have somebody who was just around kind of taking the piss out of people you needed that you need it of course it's a valve isn't it yeah absolutely you need it and like you you um uh it it is yes it, it is it is a valve exactly and um you i think i think i mean this is a very pretentious thing to say but i think it is significant like any totalitarian regime hates comedy because they need to have control over reality and what what a regime like that doesn't want is well i mean so not much comedy in the former soviet union i imagine uh and and, and basically because it was like you couldn't have somebody who was saying the emperor's new clothes because it would have been somebody it was like the it would be like the emperor's new iron ore there isn't any like the the emperor the emperor's new food in shops there isn't any like but the reality had to be that there was some so so i am i will always i will always defend like the comedian who's profane because i think it's a genuinely helpful social role and um and I I think it is very telling that if you look at the sort of places that don't have those sort of comedians, they're they're not great places to live, and the the places that do are the places I would I would rather live in. Uh, and, mm. uh, and um, uh, and yeah, and uh, yeah, his gold, yeah, the golden, the golden Globe speeches are are the perfect example of that. They're 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 like you know, it's just somebody going. Just so you know, I. I don't buy any of this crap. This is a lot know, of <laughs> like, just so you know, I know this is a load of crap. Just so you know. Um, <laughs> and it's hard to disagree. Yeah, absolutely. You go, yeah, well, yeah, of course. When yeah, you put yeah. it like that, it's yeah. a lot of crap, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, absolutely. And like I can't
0: you, believe you went to Hollywood for the for the. Uh, what do you call it uh, pilot, pilot season. season
1: i was yeah it was not i'm not suited to imagine that even my way of talking i don't think even i could tell that <laughs> i could tell that people couldn't tell whether i'd finished my sentences or not kind of, <laughs> i'd sort of dry up and they'd be like Is he I, I could tell well, they couldn't tell whether i'd finished and also they couldn't tell whether i'd made a joke or whether i was <laughs> you know uh about to whether i needed to be sort of propped up from killing myself or something like, I think that it was uh,
0: which is about as British as it gets it I is mean, British you are I think I've so got so British really I think I have a very sense.
1: British yeah kind of um, I have a very British intonation I think and I mean also the other thing I I could just I can't do an American accent I just can't do it because mm. it, it it's not just you know it's not just the accent it's your whole personality is that I find is contained within when I speak so like if my intonation has to change like my ta- well first of all I'm not in it I'm not at all funny if I do an American accent. It just completely goes like it's mm. not the all the timing goes. I mean that's the thing. If you're doing like, you have yeah, but cadence isn't it? It's cadence. Yeah, absolutely. And like if you're so it's like um uh if you can't have that um precision control over the timing of your delivery, how can you be funny? You've got nothing. You've yeah, got yeah, nothing. Yeah. yeah, like that's you when you do stand up, you realize that so much of so much whether you're going to get a laugh or not might be contained in like like the eighth of a second that passes after you finish telling a joke or something and and if you can't have that level of control because you're trying to do a voice that doesn't sound like your voice I mean I I don't know I genuinely don't know how people do it I don't know how they retain
0: not many people do it successfully I've got to say in terms of comedy yeah I think
1: I think yeah it's so hard I mean it's um you can't imagine Gervais doing, imagine Gervais doing the golden globe speeches in an American accent. I mean, it's just, (laughs) why, why would you, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Um, Let's avoid it at all costs. Yeah. But no, I mean, it was, so it's, um, I suppose this is another, I suppose another reason why I wanted to try and do stand-up is because again, because of the in-betweeners, I did have that opportunity to, to, you know, to, to kind of kick on and be an actor. Mm. And, um, uh, and even if it wasn't something that I had perhaps initially wanted, I, I suppose I could have m- sort of been like, "Well, you know this is what you know if life gives you lemons, you know mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and it's just that the the natural career trajectory of a British actor appears to be go get in a big thing in Britain. It doesn't really matter what it is, because yeah. it's a stepping stone, it doesn't matter what it is. And as soon as you've done that, immediately stop taking any other British work get to l a yep. live there, mm-hmm. start speaking an American accent hang around take anything american doesn't matter what it is doesn't matter if it's like a piece of shit if it's american say yes to it Ugh. and it's just i just kind of it feels like a kind of it feels a bit servile in a way if it feels it, feel, it, feel, it feels a bit well like, then
0: our stuff the stuff in here doesn't really, actually, really count does it well yeah and it's like, well, we yeah, and, and it's like actually in
1: comedy i thought I still can't think of anything I'd rather watch, British, American, anything, that I think is better than the British office. So, what, I mean, why why is it... Yeah. Why are you like, well, and of course, the British office wonderful, and there was just one problem. There was just one problem. It wasn't made in Hollywood, and therefore it doesn't really qualify as being in the big leagues. And it just seems like... It seems as though people kind of... Just lose their shit a little bit when they they when there's a prospect of being something American and like mm. obviously you know this is easy for me to say because this is like just this is literally like um a convenient position for me to take because I can't do an American accent because <laughs> yeah he I, would say I, I would say yeah of course I would but, and but I am but I I, um, but I, I for, for whatever reason I I am um, I really I mean also I mean look, the, the pilot season is every, every my tale of going there and it being difficult and me coming back and feeling sort of broken that's just it is everyone it's everyone that's i mean 90%. it's every, everyone's yeah yeah and yeah and um you know it's, it's not a particularly unusual piece of insight to so say i went and it was really stressful and terrible but, <laughs> but i think it is interesting that i completely lost my mind i mean i talk about it in the show about how i um i became completely obsessed with the fact that i hadn't hired a mustang to yeah. drive around yeah. in and this genuinely was true all i was thinking about was the fact that i it was literally like I thought I, need, I needed to get a penis extension or something. Like I, I feel like those aren't my values, but when I was out there, it was like, I completely lost my head. I com- yeah. I completely lost it. Like I, everything I thought I believed in, I just binned like immediately and, and was just unable to think that I had anything to offer because I wasn't, you know, I, I don't know, even just, I don't have a, I don't have a certain sort of body. Like I don't, uh, I, 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 uh, I don't have that kind of um swaggering self-confidence that mm-hmm. I always assume you need and these are probably ideas that are completely wrong and not even the things that people want in in in, but in, in a, LA. But that's a
0: microcosm if you were there for yeah. 3 weeks.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You
0: get a rough idea of what you would be like yeah. if you went there.
1: There was nothing to suggest that it was that it wasn't like that. I mean, there, yeah, was, yeah. there was there was um I mean it's a it's a very very strange city and and I I think some people some people really like it they go there and they feel like I've I've that, you know, it's, so, yeah. it's the home they've never they've never had mm-hmm. and I went and I thought this is I, I got to get out of here <laughs> this is this is there's no um, there's not the, the, all the all my little kind of like uh, in London, all the, all the sort of places I go to try and calm down. Like mm. a, like, I tried to go to a bookshop. I found a bookshop that I could go into in LA because I was being like, <laughs> I just need to go and calm down. So I went to a bookshop and they're fucking uh, filming a fucking film in there. <laughs> <laughs> You can't get away. Oh, it's not even a bookshop. It's really, uh, they probably don't even sell any books. No, like they're, they're, no. their, their, their income stream is probably now that just they rent it out when they want to make a film. That, that a looks, like, it looks like a bookshop. <laughs> and like, um, and, um, I do that as well yeah
0: and i say i go yeah I go straight to i a book love shop. a bookshop yeah
1: yeah and also i mean just public spaces in general there's no there's no public space in la i mean it's it's like yeah. everything's everything's for sale i mean i think yeah. that if you i always think about la if people people who are kind of quite into the idea of uh you know having a small state and just paying for stuff yourself i want to go go to la go to la and tell me if you think that you should have no state and people should just you know take care of themselves because I'd tell you what like you basically you don't even really have like security like if you call the police you don't every house every rich house has its private security like even if you if you really want a small state okay well how about mm. this your house is burning down and you call the fire brigade and they might not turn up because <laughs> the person next to you's got sort of private fire insurance and it doesn't extend to you I mean I I think that it's 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 a very sad city because I think it I think it actually I do think it exposes the complete bankruptcy of the ideology that says you don't really need to have a government that interferes. Like You you just, just let people take care of themselves. And you think, well, yeah, okay. But it's the American
0: dream, Joe. I know, but that's it. Well, yeah, that's, that's it, the isn't thing. It? It's you the can Ameri- build your work hard that's enough it, but, yeah, if you but, want but,
1: it. Yeah, and that, but... that, um, Yeah, but I mean, I think, it, honestly, it comes, you know, eventually... You know, eventually you will come to the point where, like, if you don't... If you haven't paid a premium, the air you breathe won't be clean. I mean, it will that is the end yeah 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 i mean yeah. it's it's and uh so for that reason i i find it um and it's hard to it's hard to feel optimistic about life <laughs> like, because because it feels like it, like it it's full of so much destitution as well it's just it's yeah. it's full of it's full of so many people who have just who who are just have, have gone mad and 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 have have nothing and and they just wander around and and they and, fall through the cracks pe- do yeah and people th- and, and and you know if you have a system where you're like i would rather have a system that takes care of everyone mm. and that occasionally people take the piss out of by claiming for some benefit that they don't really deserve i'd rather have a system where that's the drawback than a system where no one's taking the piss out of the system because there isn't one but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but um a large section of your population is basically just um sort of slowly dying of, of madness and um, yeah, yeah. exposure um i, I, I can't yeah, it is, and and then then it's weird being city and being like, oh yeah, it's going and audition for a kind of knockabout comedy. Like it's kind of <laughs> well, no, And that's American comedy on. is less dark than British comedy as well. It's like it, it's yeah. like it's so it feels it 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 feels like a really weird place. And like you know, obviously, I'm just saying it's horrible because I couldn't get any jobs. Because you couldn't but like, make yeah, it. Yeah, This is a problem. Yeah. Let
0: me just tell you before we finish one yeah. thing about the last time I went to LA. Yeah. I rented a Mustang. <laughs> and that is all you need to know. <laughs> about me thank you very much for talking to me joe it's a pleasure i was sitting on that one for a while uh Not knowing when's the best time to tell Joe that I did in fact hire a Mustang when I was last in LA. But not for the same reasons I should point out. uh, And I wasn't there for pilot season. I was just there for a couple of gigs and a bit of fun. So it doesn't have the same... I hope it doesn't have the same (laughs) associations. Um, But anyway, as he says in the show, it doesn't really matter. I mean, no one sees your car when you go in the audition room. But it is interesting that it had that effect on him. And... I suppose it points to the fact that what we do is we fixate on some small, probably meaningless detail rather than focus on the bigger thing, which is causing us the problem. And it sounds like the bigger thing was he he didn't want to be there or he didn't fit in or he didn't feel that he was in the right place. So what do we do? We don't address that. We go, oh, I've got the wrong car, you know. It's like this T-shirt's got wrinkles in it. And actually that's not what matters. There's There's something bigger at play, you know. That's just being human, isn't it? So there we go. Great show. Excellent chat. Really nice fella. So thanks very much for listening. And we'll see you again soon on the Shedcast. And remember it's brought to you by Putting It Together and the Sheddenborough Fringe Festival. So I'll just say what I always say. Cheerio now.